0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 119, we we started last week in uh, this section of uh, Psalm 119. We got to uh, verse number 134. And we saw last week uh, how that thy testimonies are wonderful, verse number one twenty nine, and uh, that was our first thought last week is that the word of God is wonderful. Aren't you glad that we have a wonderful, uh, miraculous Bible? Don't ever let anybody tell you differently. Don't let people try to explain it away and say, "Well, it's a good book, but it's got some mistakes." Well, it's a good book, but you know there's some things that need to be changed. No. Now, there's nothing in the Bible that needs to be changed. There's some things in us that need to be changed, but the Bible is perfect. It is the Word of God, and it is inspired by God. It is preserved by God. It is a wonderful book. We saw number two, the wisdom. It says in verse 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. I was talking last week about the... Mammoth Caves, and uh, we're talking about it. I know I talked about in the radio. I'm pretty sure I talked about it in the service. But we're talking about the darkness in those caves. anybody ever been to the Mammoth Caves in Kentucky? anybody ever been to that place there? Um, it's amazing. If you ever get the chance, it's near uh, Brother Dan. It's near the Corvette Museum in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And so you may have no desire to go visit caves, but you go visit the Corvettes. But Mammoth Caves is there is a it's a 400 mile um a cave system that they have explored there's more than that but they've they've explored 400 miles of caves can you imagine that um and they've explored it. they've got tours you can go down my wife and i we did this years ago we went down in uh, these steps and you hang on to a rail and you get to the bottom and there's just little light bulbs kind of strung along and you get down to the bottom in this this opening and they, they, they turn on the lights. And when they turn on the lights, you realize you are in a room in the cave that is bigger than this auditorium. And that's just one part of the mammoth cave. But it's unbelievable. It's just, it's, it, it blows your mind. And then they say, hang on to something. Make sure you got, you know, you're standing. If you need to stand next to somebody or next to a wall or something. They said, we're going to turn off the lights. We want you to see what it's like to be in this cave with absolutely no lights. They say, turn off your cell phones, turn off your flashlights, whatever. We want you to see. They turn those lights off, and I'm not kidding you. you, you I, have, I have never in my life experienced darkness like that. You, you, they, it, literally, you can put your hand right up in front of your face, and you can't see it. it it's unbelievable. Well, the Bible gives us the light. could you imagine if 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 i had gone down to those caves and and i had wandered off from the group which i i I would not do i'm not that daring and i i wouldn't do it on purpose Uh, but i wandered off from the group and i'm exploring these mammoth caves uh, by myself and and then all of a sudden they flip the lights off and they leave me down there and i'm somewhere in these caves and i'm wandering around and finally they, they they call the rescue teams in they realize i'm gone Hopefully it wouldn't take my wife too long to report, you know, as a, a missing persons, you know, and, and they report it and they come and they're looking for me and they find me, but I've been down there for 24 hours, 48 hours. I've been down in this cave by myself, couldn't find my way out. And, uh, and I'm, I, I'm famished. I, I, I'm dying. And of course it's very cold down in those caves, and they rescue me and they get me back to the to, to the to the surface and they they get me back and they bring me back. And then one of the paramedics looks closely at me and says or looks close at me and says to the other says. Why did this guy not use his flashlight? And they pull the flashlight out. It's right on my belt. They pull out this huge mag light, you know, high power mag light, and they push the button and it turns on. And they're thinking. Is this guy crazy? He was down in a cave, he just about died, and he went through a whole lot of heartache and a whole lot of grief he didn't have to go through because he had a flashlight and he never used it. I wonder sometimes in heaven, I wonder if God is looking down and he sees the problems we face and he sees the, 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 the messes that we make. I'm not talking about somebody else makes it for us, I'm talking about we make it ourselves. And God looks down and he sees us and we are struggling and and spiritually and and, and emotionally and physically and all those things. And he sees right beside us, there's the flashlight, but we never turned it on. There's the Bible, but we never opened it up. There's the lamp unto our feet. There's the light unto our path. There is the entrance of thy word that giveth light and we never use it. I'm afraid that that's the case of a lot of Christians. A lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are going through all kinds of hard times. And what do we do? We get on the internet and we Google. How do you deal with this? How do you cope with this? And by the way, I'm not saying that at times you don't need professional help. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying this, the first place we ought to go is the word of God. And the entrance of thy words, it giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. It's wisdom, number two. Number three, we saw the want. David said, I opened my mouth and I panted. I longed for thy commandments. There ought to be a want, there ought to be a desire for the word of God. And then number four, the word is watch. David says, look thou upon me. God, I want you to, to see me. I want you to watch me. I want you to notice what I'm doing. God, I need your mercy. And God, I need your blessing. And I need you to be merciful to me as thou uses to do, as you did in the past to those that love thy name. And of course, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God blessed in the past, he can bless today and he can bless tomorrow. And then we saw last week, the way. Verse 133, Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. We need God to show us his way and to order our steps. I'd like for you to notice number six. It's found in verse 134. I'd like for you to see the weight. The weight. W-E-I-G-H-T. The weight. David says in verse 134, Deliver me from the oppression of man. So will I keep thy precepts. Lord, speak to us, I pray, in these few moments. Help me to do my best to explain and to, uh, uh, to transfer your word to your people as you've given it to me. Uh, I know that uh, no uh, scripture is of any private interpretation, but Lord, it's my desire tonight to, to help and to encourage, and it's my desire to, to teach and to instruct in the word of God, in the way of God, I pray that you'd help us to see something tonight that could help us in the situation we're in before it's too late, before we allow ourselves to be destroyed and overrun and overcome by the wicked one. I pray that you would help us to get victory tonight. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Deliver me, David says, from the oppression of man. The word is weight. David experienced the oppression of man. Oppression is injury. It could be fraud. It could be distress or or pressure. In some cases, this word oppression is used as extortion. Uh, In Bible days, they talked a lot about how people would be extorted uh, for money or for goods. David had been anointed as king of Israel, and yet Saul tried to kill him. Can you imagine what David must have been thinking? He's like... God has already told me I'm gonna be the next king and Saul is trying to kill me. Saul is trying to take my life. Saul who is also my father-in-law is trying to kill me. David knew about oppression. David had a son by the name of Absalom. Absalom tried to take the kingdom from David and Absalom tried to have his own father killed. I would say that David knew something about the oppression of man. But can I tell you, oppression must never keep us from the will of God. Yes, people will oppress us, and yes, people will will, will hurt us, and yes, people will try to stop us from doing the will of God, but don't let the oppression of man keep you from the will of God. Turn with me, please, to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. We see in this passage, of course, God has spoken to Moses out of the burning bush, and it says in verse number uh, seven, God says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up uh, out of that land unto a good land and a large, into a land flowing with milk and honey. Unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, verse 9, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. God says, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Isn't that interesting that God says, I have heard their cry and I have seen Their oppression. David prays in this psalm. He says, deliver me from the oppression of man. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 26. We see God's response to his people when they were oppressed. I'm glad God notices. I'm glad God is aware. I'm glad that God cares. I'm glad that God does not abandon us. God does not forsake us. God does not leave us on our own. Deuteronomy 26, verse 7. It says, and when we cried unto the Lord God of our fathers, the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with great terribleness and with signs and with wonders. And he brought us into this place and hath given us this land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey. I want to illustrate this and I want you to see where I'm going with this. Brother Dan, would you help me? Brother Dan and I did not rehearse this. As a matter of fact, I just told him right before he went down, I said, I need you to help me with an illustration. The only thing I told him was, I said, please don't hurt me. Those weren't my words. And I thought, since the service is live streamed, I feel pretty safe that he won't hurt me. You know, I, I feel fairly safe. But so Dan is going to represent the oppressor, okay? Not because, Dan, he's not an oppressor. That's not why we're doing this. That's not Dan. But for illustration, he's the oppressor. By the way, there will be people that will oppress you. There will be people that knowingly oppress you. And there will be people that unknowingly oppress you. How many of you have ever been hurt by somebody and you don't even think they knew it? Right? You know what I'm talking about? So sometimes that happens. Brother Dan is the oppressor. So what I want you to do is kind of, kind of pull, push down my shoulders so, so he's putting some weight down. Now, I would rather not be restricted, right? How many of you would rather go through life not being restricted by an oppressor? Yeah. Boy, I tell you what, if you're running a race, you don't want to have all the weights and all the extra baggage. You want to be free to run. Well, here's what I want to do. I want to serve God without the oppression, right? I want to serve God without the weights and without the pressure and without people trying to pull me down. But, but, but he's, he's pulling me down. And he's, he's, he's pulling me down. I'm thinking, I don't want to go down. I want to go up. I want to do something. I've got places to go. I've got people to see. Gabriel, are you showing me what move I need to do? Is that what, I could see you're showing me. I'm not trying to get out of this one, okay? Uh, so so he, he's, he's pushing me down. He's pushing me down. If it gets too bad, I will call for help, Gabriel. So help me out. And so he's pushing me down. And he's pushing me down. I don't want to be down here. Nobody wants to be down here. Because there is someone who is applying pressure and force and making it difficult for me to go and do what I need to do. But here's the thing. Sometimes it's the oppressor that'll push you down so far that you'll get to the place where you need to be. And look at where I am now. What do you know? I'm on my knees. And guess what happened to the children of Israel in Egypt? They were oppressed. They were afflicted. They had taskmasters. And they got down so low, the only thing they could do was to cry out to God. And when they cried out to God, that's when God delivered. That's when God rescued them. That's when God sent the plagues. That's when God parted the Red Sea. That's when God took them into the promised land. But they would have never experienced that had there not first been oppression. Because it was the oppression that got them on their knees. It was their oppression that got them so low, they realized we can't do this without God. We can't do this without help. And by the way, thank you, Brother Dan. Thank you for not hurting me either. I may have to go to the chiropractor tomorrow, but other than that, I think I'm good. And by the way, when the oppression comes, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying we enjoy it. I'm not saying we look for it. I'm certainly not saying that we we, we poke people and try to get them to oppress us. Absolutely not. There's going to be some oppression. There's going to be the, the, the attacks of the devil. There's going to be some weight. and There's going to be some burdens. and There's going to be some pressure. There's going to be some oppression. But can I tell you, when you get to the point where you have been oppressed and the pressure is pushing you down, that's when you are on your knees and that's where you realize that you need God. And you need God to keep you humble. And you need God to keep you at that place. And and may God help us to never get to the point where we don't spend time on our knees crying out to God. David said, deliver me from the oppression of man. so will I keep thy precepts. It says in Deuteronomy 26 and verse number 8, the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And with an outstretched arm and with great terribleness. You know what that word terribleness is? It's the word awesomeness. Now, I love using the word awesome. I don't usually use the word awesome with God. I'm not, you know, I don't want it to sound sacrilegious, but I think you understand that God is more amazing. He is more powerful he is more awesome than anything you've ever seen, anything you've ever experienced. There's no limitations to what God can do. The children of Israel, they saw the awesomeness of God after they experienced the oppression of man. And God showed up, and I'm glad that God can and God will show up when we are oppressed by man. I want you to see number six, the weight. number seven. I want you to see the well done. Psalm 119, we find this phrase in several places in the Bible, but verse 135, David says, Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. That, that's a very, very serious prayer request. What you're praying is you're praying, Lord, I want you to smile when you see me. I want you to approve when you see my life. Better yet, I want you to approve when you see my heart. God, I want to be right with you. I'm not seeking the approval of man. I'm not seeking the smile and the approval of people. But he said, God, I want your face to shine upon me. I tell you, that's a very convicting thought because I wonder sometimes, we, we, we see how close we can get to the edge of, of sin and how close we can get to the edge of worldliness and how close we can get to the edge of selfishness and, and pride and all those things when in reality, we ought to be as close to God as we can and we ought to say, God, I want you to be happy with me. You say, well, does God still love us when we sin? Absolutely. Is God happy when we sin? No, he's not, absolutely not. David says, I want your face to shine. I won't have you turn to these passages, but you can look them up. Number 625, the Bible says, The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee and give thee peace. Psalm 80, it says three times, Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Daniel 9, 17, Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. We see the the smile of God, the favor of God. I see in these verses, it comes from three specific aspects. Number one, it comes from seeking God. You're not even going to know if God's smiling if you're not seeking him. My children are not going to know if I'm happy or not if they're not even looking at me. And so many times we're waiting for God to, to holler and get our attention and shake us when in reality we ought to be so in tune with God that we can look at God. We can look upon his face and we can see if he's pleased or if he's not pleased. So how do you see the face of God? Well, You get in this book right here. You, you, you get to know Jesus, and, and we talked about that a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning. You see the face of, of God in Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus. I see that God smiles. His face shines upon us when we're seeking him. Number two, his face shines upon us when we're serving him. Notice what David says in this passage. He says, make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Have you ever had a, 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 an employee, Have you ever had somebody working for you? And every once in a while, you just glance over and say, Whew, thank God for that employee. And they're doing a good job. They're getting the job done. And, and, and you don't even have to say anything to them, but maybe just a pat on the back, thumbs up, you know, good job, whatever. But, but they know that you're pleased and, and you express that because they're serving. I tell you, God wants us to serve him we have a responsibility to serve the King of Kings. We have a privilege to serve God. Uh, nobody, nobody has to come, so please don't do it tomorrow morning. Nobody has to come to 114 Lakeview Drive and nobody has to bang my door down and nobody has to drag me out of the house and nobody has to haul me over here to the church and throw me in that office and say, all right, you gotta serve the Lord. What's your problem? Where you been? Can I tell you why? because I don't have to serve the Lord. I get to serve him. It's a privilege. It's an honor. We had a a gentleman here this morning. I got to talk to um, Eddie Buffalo and I hope you pray for him. I had a good conversation, he was so kind. But I was amazed when I was talking to him, he was talking about all the things he does. He works for the governor. But can I tell you, I'd rather serve the Lord I'd rather work for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and that's not a slam on, on that, on, on Mr. Buffalo. That's not a slam on any politician. That's not a slam on any profession. I'm just saying this: we have the privilege to serve God. And may his face shine upon us as his servants. But then I see in Daniel 9, Daniel says, Make thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate. Can I tell you, God is pleased? when he is worshiped in his house. I know you can worship God at home and I hope you do worship God at home. As a matter of fact, I'd be a little nervous if you said, Pastor, man, I'm glad we have a church because is the only place I ever worship God. I'd be a little nervous about that. But can I tell you, when we come to the house of God and we meet with God, God meets with us, there is nothing like it in the world. And God has chosen the church, the called out assembly, the ecclesia. God has chosen the church. He has called us to serve and to worship him. And may this be a place where God is worshiped. We see well done, the smile of God. Number eight, I want you to see lastly in verse 136. David says this, rivers of waters run down mine eyes. Why? because they keep not thy law. Now think about this this shift. If I had, so here's Brother Dan up here. He's pushing me down. He's oppressing me. He's making my life miserable. You know what I want to do? An eye for an eye. I want to call Gabriel up here and have him take him out, you know, wrestle him down, get him in one of those good holds, you know, or whatever. That's what I want to do. But you know what David said? He said, I weep. My eyes are filled with tears because I know the end of the people that do not obey the law of God, the people that do not obey the word of God. And David says, I'm burdened for them. You know what our response ought to be to people that oppress us and people that that, that fight against us and the people at work that make your life miserable? You ought to pray for them. and You ought to weep for them. Because if they do not know the Lord, they are going to spend eternity in a place called hell. Not because they oppress you, but because they reject Christ. And can I tell you, that ought to burden us. I'm so convicted because I think these last couple years, uh, everything has been about us. How is this affecting me? Where are we going to get hand sanitizer? Where are we going to get toilet paper? Where are we going to get groceries? How are we going to make it? And I'm not, a, I'm not a, we all had to get those things and we all needed those things. And, and what are we going to do with the job? And what are we going to do with this? And what are we going to, I understand all that. But these last two years, while the churches have been on pause, hell has not been on pause because people have still died and people have still perished into a literal fire where the worm dieth not, where the fire is not quenched, where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And and we're sitting back and we're sitting on our blessed assurance and and our life is is comfortable compared to 99% of the people on planet earth. And we don't even give a thought to the fact that there are people that need Jesus Christ. There are souls that are lost. There are souls that are dying. There are people that have rejected God and people that have tried to kick God out of our nation as the men sang about. But can I tell you, those people, they have a soul. The goal is not to get on a political ramp and the goal is not to win an argument or win a debate and prove to them that they're wrong. The goal is to get them Jesus before it's too late. And David says, I weep. Rivers of waters run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. David was a man of compassion. It's easy to have compassion on people that love you. It's very difficult to have compassion on people that hate your guts. But David said, I want those people. I want those people to get right with God before they face the judgment of God. David was a man after God's own heart. I think his compassion is part of that. Jesus had compassion. Jesus wept for the city of Jerusalem. David wept for the people that oppressed him, that they did not keep the law of God. And may I say, we as a church and we as individuals in our ministries, we need to get back to having some tears of compassion. When was the last time that you wept because of the state of our nation? When was the last time you wept not because uh, gas prices were going up, (laughs) Not because inflation was going up, but you wept because you thought there's a whole lot of people in this world that don't know Jesus. When was the last time you wept for your ministry? Whether it be a Sunday school class or a Christian school class, a bus ministry. When was the last time you wept as you were going out and knocking on doors and passing out tracks and thinking, you know, this person I'm getting ready to talk to, they're either going to heaven or they're going to hell. I tell you, I believe we need to get our tears back. The Bible says, and if some having compassion, making a difference. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.